Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our daily live call-in broadcast where trusted leaders bring biblical insights to the issues and you can call in and get your questions answered in real time. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Andrew Womack. Welcome to our Wednesday Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. I'm Andrew Womack, and today I've got Alex McFarland with me. He's our typical Tuesday host mm -hmm. on Truth and Liberty, and uh, anyway, we're going to be introducing him a little bit better. Let me just real quickly say that we've got some things coming up. Just starting on, uh, let's see, it's on the 15th, and today would be the 12th. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So this must Today's be Friday. 13th. So today is December 13th. All right. So this is Friday, Saturday, and Sunday is when we have our live nativity here at our Karis Bible College in Woodland Park. And if you haven't been here, I tell you, we've doubled the lights this year. I just love them. It's exactly the way I wanted it to look. Yeah. I went around and told them, I want this tree, this color. <laughs> and it beautiful. worked out really good. And so the, the lights are beautiful, but then also... We have camels that have been brought in, horses, donkeys, sheep. Uh, we have a live nativity, and you drive through. We give you free uh, hot chocolate, and if you got a dog, we'll give them a dog biscuit. Oh. And you drive through and see it. But then inside, our whole southern side of our uh, auditorium is all glass, and inside we will have an LED set up that shows uh, Bethlehem, and we'll have actors inside. It'll be a little bit warmer inside, but that's a good thing. We've had people drive from Montana and other places just to come see the live nativity. So that's going to be the 15th through the 17th. That's Friday through Sunday. And then on uh, January the 4th through the 6th, I'm going to be back in Phoenix and we're going to be at the Renaissance in Glendale. And I've been going there for decades. I, I start, I probably Phoenix is one of the first places I went after I went on the radio. I think 1980s when I started going there. And uh, Jim Baker is going to be with me speaking. And if you haven't heard Jim Baker, this is not the infamous Jim Baker that went to jail, but this is a different Jim Baker. And he is one powerful minister. Mm -hmm. I've known Jim and his wife probably for 30 years. They, when they were still in the Assembly of God Church, they used to come over to my meetings in Charlotte, North Carolina, and they'd take me out every year and we would talk, and he would just pump me for stuff. And I tell you, he is now a very, very powerful minister of the Word. Plus, he sees a lot of miracles. I mean, raising of the dead, and he's, a, he's just an excellent minister. So that's going to be on January the 4th through the 6th in Phoenix. Actually, it's in Glendale, uh, Arizona, and we're going to have a great time. And then we, we just got a lot of things coming up, and I encourage you to participate and be a part of this. I'm also coming to California, uh, Riverside, California in February. And we're, I don't think I have the dates on that right here, but uh, you could go to our website and find out. And then we have Gene Bailey and Flashpoint is going to be here at our facility in Woodland Park. And they're going to be holding one of their Flashpoint things. I'm not doing anything with it, uh, but we're, uh, they're using our facility and Gene Bailey's a partner of ours, and he just loves our ministry. So anyway, it's a great connection with Kenneth Copeland Ministry and Victory Channel and all the things that they're doing. So 
please check out all of these things. You'll be blessed. For those of you, for somebody, if you're brand new, this is pretty much uh, the first 30 minutes. Alex and I are going to be talking about different things. Then we're going to take a brief break, and we will have an hour's worth of calls. And so you're welcome to call and talk about anything that you want to. If you want to talk about what we will be talking about, that would really fit well. But you can call, and the number is 719-619-2341, and we will put you on the air and interact with you and let you ask your questions or make your comments, and we'd love to have you. 719-619-2341. Amen. Amen. So, Alex, I could give him a great introduction. Our team put together his bio, and it covers oh. more than one page. Well, You've been everywhere. You know everybody. You've been on every major news outlet. You write for all of these papers and different types of things, and you've just been around the block a few times. Well, I'm excited about Jesus. Well, <laughs> and uh, if you get excited about other people hearing the gospel, the Lord will take you places. So you've, you've done a lot of things. Have you pastored a church? I have. How uh, many churches? Two. Two churches. Pastored a church in Charlotte, North Carolina, while I was president of a of a Bible college and seminary, and then uh, during right before COVID happened, pastored a church in Greensboro, North Carolina, a little church that didn't have a pastor, and I helped them out for about two or three years and recommended somebody. But you've been in thousands of churches. Yeah, you travel a lot. You got a radio program, a daily radio program. What's that called? Exploring the Word. And you've graciously been on our radio show before. In fact, I've got this um, gear I travel with. I've got a studio in my home back in North Carolina, but I've got a portable thing. And uh, you let me set it up in your office one time, and we did radio, live radio, to 200 stations from your office. Yeah. Well, the first time I was ever on your program is when I met you at Mark Cowart's uh, That's Breaking true. the Silence, and you asked me if I'd do it, and you just went into a back room and pulled your stuff out. And we recorded. It's quite a deal that you got. Well, you, you know, and I just want to say thank you for being so accessible. You know, when you meet people that you have followed and watched, you never know if they're, they're going to be who you hope they'll be. And you've been that and 10 times more. Uh, and I want to say to everybody watching, I know everybody knows this, but you are the real deal. And uh, if you ever get to meet Andrew Womack in person, I can say from experience, he is as authentic and genuine for Christ as anybody I've ever met. You know, when I get introduced, the number one thing that people say is, he's the same. Yeah. And I think, what's everybody else? A exactly. Hey, it's weird to me that people would be one thing on camera and they'd be somebody else different. That just, I don't know. I can't see it. That's the reason I guess I can't do it. I want to tell you one of the greatest compliments that I ever got, and I don't want to talk about myself. Here's a verse, Psalm 115, verse 1, says, Not unto us, O Lord, give glory, but unto thy name give glory for the sake of the truth. And that's why we're doing what we're doing, to glorify his name. And we're doing this because this is truth. But um, I had debated an atheist several times, David Silverman. He was president. You remember Madeline Murray O'Hare? Yeah. Well, David Silverman, who was a friend of mine, and I'm still praying for him to get saved, but he was president of American Atheists for a while. And we, I forget where all we went. We went to about a dozen cities back in 
2011. So we were in a radio station, I think it was in South Dakota, going to Black Hills State University. And they were at, they said, Mr. Silverman, why are you an atheist, da, 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 da. And um, he said, well, Reverend McFarland, just uh, what is your definition of Christianity? And David, it was the greatest compliment. I give God the glory. David Silverman interrupted and said, hey, hey, let me answer for Alex, because I know what he's going to say. He's going to say, Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead. You put your faith in Jesus. He said, look, if you call this guy at three in the morning, that's what he's going to tell you. The Bible is the word of God. Jesus is the Savior. And I'm not patting myself on the back, but that's how we ought to be. Absolutely. That we Predictable. Should, yes. And I know where I stand because I know where the Bible stands. And that's how we ought to Amen. be. Am I right? Yep. And so what do you do for us now? You do all of our biblical worldview curriculum, plus you minister in the school? Yeah. Uh, well, this week I'm teaching a class on media relations, like how do you handle it if you got interviewed by the press? How do you write a press release? You know, I need to sit in on that class. My staff is mm. constantly afraid. <laughs> you know, I spoke <laughs> Sunday at a pro-Israeli rally and I had my PR person there come up. Now, if anybody asks you, you send them to us. Don't because I just say whatever I think, and they're afraid I'm going to mess up. No, you're not. Listen, this is what we need. We need people like yourself in the media. No spin, no twisting. Just the truth. Lay the cards on the table. Last week, I was teaching a class in the School of Practical Government under Richard Harris on what we call American exceptionalism. Yeah. What makes America unique and why we need to do our utmost to preserve it. But then I also teach like over the years, working with you, working with Mike Pickett, we've got biblical worldview uh, one, two, and three. Then we've got apologetics, which is like defending the claims of Christianity, mm -hmm. uh, units one, two, and three. And then we've got um, two different speech classes I teach. And then this media relations is different than the speech classes. But I want to tell you, I'm so excited. We've got a dear friend back home that has supported what uh, I've done for 25 years, youth conferences, biblical worldview. Uh, Peggy Rice, she's probably watching, dear lady. And she always wanted me to start a Bible college. And I used, I said, Peggy, I, I, I get it. I believe Christian education is a key part of the Great Commission, but I just don't feel the uh, leading of God that I'm to start one. So a decade ago when Mark put you and I together, and then maybe eight years ago when I began to come up here to Woodland Park, my heart was so thrilled because in Karis, I see what we need to be doing at this hour. Mm -hmm. um, thousands of people, and this is what's so exciting, young people. I mean, there's the 18 through 35 that they've got decades of life ahead. They're going to change the world. And that's why I know I sound like a broken record, but folks, if you visit Karis one time, you'll be sold. Because not only for personal enrichment, the first and second year programs get people grounded in the Word. And Andrew, I've, I've heard this hundreds of times. I meet the students in the hallways and they'll say, oh my goodness, uh, I've been a Christian for years, but I got to Karis and I learned the Word of God. My Christian life has gone to places that I've never known before. Yeah. I had one of my uh, staff uh, in this building that just 30 minutes ago was sweeping up my hair. I got a haircut okay. and she was talking to me 
And I was asking how she got here, and her son, John Michael, who played in our performance, is yeah. the one who is the servant. Okay, sure, sure. And uh, anyway, he came to school, and they came out to visit him, and she said, you come to Karis, and you get the Karis bug. Amen. And she said that they just dropped everything and came out here. And then her husband's uh, parents came out to visit them, and they were just living in a little shack in in Cripple Creek area. Mm -hmm. They didn't even have room for the parents to stay with them, but the parents came out to visit them and they got the Karis bug and now they've moved here and have a house and she was just saying that it's like it's contagious. You come Amen. here and you, you get hooked on it because there's really a powerful, powerful atmosphere here. Well, it's the Lord. The, the Lord is here and um, it, it is the Karis bug. I know what you mean. It, this place is very uh, magnetic. I love the little town of Woodland Park. I do too. Uh, I mean, this it's the most endearing. It's kind of like Christmas town. If you come up here, and uh, Angie and I were talking over the weekend. My wife Angie was up here with us, and it's um, like being in a snow globe. Yeah. You know, it looks so Christmassy, and then of course the live nativity. By the way, um, the heart of Christmas, the the Christmas pageant that we just saw, mm -hmm. uh, people can. Even if they weren't able to be here in person, there's DVDs of that, yeah. and can they watch it online or something? Well, yes, I'm sure you can. I'm, I'm not sure exactly how all that works, but I do know that we have the whole thing video. They can get the DVD yeah. and watch it. We had Jesse Duplantis and his wife, Kathy, that watched the DVD, and they've watched it three or four times, and oh, yeah. they say it's one of the best things that they have ever seen. Amen. It's, it's really powerful. It, it really is. So let me also say that you did apologetics <coughs> for uh, James Dobson. Yeah, we did. And did that for what, youth? Yeah, we, we did youth apologetics and uh, put on conferences. You know, it, it was amazing. Um, Angie and I in Greensboro had, uh, I was youth pastor for 11 years and then we started Truth for a New Generation and I rented the Greensboro Coliseum. and. Um, can I tell a story about how God stretched my faith? And then I want to talk well, about Dr. Sure Dr. you can, but what would you have done if I'd have said no? I would have <laughs> kept it to myself. <laughs> that was a rhetorical question. You knew I'd say it. So, so in Greensboro, there's a big ACC basketball arena called the Greensboro Coliseum. You might have spoken there. I don't know. No. But uh, I felt led, and this is 25 years ago. But my youth, they were coming up through youth group, they'd get born again, but they'd go away to the college, Duke, Chapel Hill, and they'd get doubts, you know, and it was almost like, you know, post high school, they'd fall away. So I began to put on little bitty conferences and uh, we brought in 1997, brought David Barton to Greensboro. Myself and about four or five churches and it was great. And we brought Ken Ham to Greensboro. Mm -hmm. Well, I decided to get bold. In the year 2000, I wanted to um, have half a dozen speakers. We had Josh McDowell and several other speakers. So I went and it took me 18 months to put this together. But I rented the Greensboro Coliseum. And it was, I mean, the whole, this two-day event was probably seventy-five dollars or $80,000. Well, we were about a month out. And they called me and they said, Alex, um, how many people you got signed up? I said, 200 people. And this is for an 8,000 seat venue. <laughs> and the guy, I'll never forget his name, was Doug. He said, well, look, I'm a Christian 
and I know what you're doing, and I just don't want you to take a bath on this. That's what he said. He said, why don't you downsize? We've got a, a different room that seats about 800 people, and your costs are cut in half. He said, let me know where you're at in about 10 days. So I prayed, and it was like the Lord was saying, trust me. And he called me, and he said, we're, we're two weeks out. How many you got now? And I said, 400 people. He said, look, come here downsize. But I felt like God had told me to rent the big room, the big. And he got a little frustrated. He said, look, Alex, I'm just trying to save you from losing. He said, I'm a Christian, but if you, whether you fill it or don't fill it, I've still got to charge you the same amount. So anyway, I drove to the bank and I, I told Angie, I said, I'm going to go and get a line of credit on the house. I'm going to obey God, but we're going to even if I lose my shirt. So I'm sitting in the bank, the Wells Fargo in Greensboro, and it was like the Holy Spirit said, don't get out of this car. And I thought, I'm going to go in there and I'll get a line of credit. I'm going to be obedient. And it was like God said, Alex, trust me. Now, the reason I'm sharing this, Andrew, God, and look, I was scared. My knees were knocking, but I think God was wanting me to trust him. And I prayed, now, to, in the year 2000, there wasn't Twitter and social media. What I didn't know was that through the homeschool community, word was getting out. There was a biblical worldview, Josh McDowell, Norm Geisler, Lee Strobel, Robbie Zacharias. Anyway, the night before the event, I fasted and prayed all night long. And I, I drive up to the Coliseum, 7 a.m. on Tuesday, March 23rd. And there was a line of over 5,000 people. Wow. I got the photos. And I was just weeping for joy. Doug Moradian grabbed me and he said, can you believe it? God did it. We didn't have 8,000, but we had 5,500. It was like 5,511 people. Wow. Christianity Today wrote a little thing about youth conference and biblical worldview. Anyway, I firmly believe if I had gotten out of the car, gone into the bank, like I in the flesh wanted to do, play it safe, downsize. I don't think you and I would be here today. You'd be here. I wouldn't. <laughs> but sometimes to take us to where God wants us, He stretches us, doesn't He? Absolutely. I would say building all this was a stretch of faith, wasn't it? Yeah. Man, those that are listening, this is a great little lesson on trusting God and believe in God. And there's a lot of people that they just won't take any risk. They won't, you know, they're like a turtle. They won't stick their head out. Yeah. But if you don't stick your head out and expose yourself, you're never going to get anywhere. That's true. I've taken lots of steps of faith and I know you have. So you also have done apologetic courses. How many conferences have you held on that? We, we've done 49 conferences since that one in Greensboro. Uh, and actually, that the one there with all those speakers was my second big thing. I had actually rented the Coliseum before and brought in Tom Landry and some speakers. But uh, in May of this year, no, I'm sorry, March of this year, we were in Paris, Tennessee, which is not far from Nashville. And that was our 49th big conference. Wow. I was talking to Mike Pickett. I want to do a big uh, extravaganza here one of Let's these. Let's do it. Let's do it. And, and we can see 3,200 in our main auditorium. We'll do, maybe it'll be in 25 
but let's do the Biblical Worldview Conference to end all conferences. You want to? That'd be awesome. Amen. That'd be awesome. If you, you've got contacts, you know everybody. If you could bring in some of those well-known speakers, that'd be we, really good. We'll do it. You know what? But here's the thing, and, and I give God the glory. After the Greensboro event, we got invitations to do something in Atlanta, in New Haven, Connecticut. We did a big event at Yale. Well, Christianity Today wrote a little thing about Alex and youth and worldview. And I was having my devotions, and I felt God say to me, I'm going to do something brand new. And, and I prayed this. I promised this verbatim. I said, Lord, help me to hear you with unmistakable clarity. Well, the phone rang, and it was a guy named H.B. London. And he said, are you Alex? Are you that worldview guy? And I said, uh, yes. He said, well, uh, I work for my cousin. His name is James Dobson, and he's going to call you. Is that okay? And I was like, yes. And I just knew. And, and Angie said, who is that? I said, sweetie, uh, things are about to change. And two and a half months later, we were living in Colorado Springs. Wow. I didn't that know That was 20 years that. ago. Now, we're going to take a break here in just about seven minutes. So, again, if you'd like to talk to Alex or me or make a comment or a suggestion, it's 719-619-2341. Uh, you told me one time about after you left Focus on the Family because you went back to uh, South Carolina to be with Angie's parents. And, and my mom and dad, And too. your mom and dad. And then you came back and you were visiting with James Dobson. Can you tell that story or oh, is it something yeah. that you feel? Well, you know, you know what? Seriously. To me, that was just really something. Well, you know, here's the thing. I was focused on the family. We had, it was like one slam dunk after another. I mean, media, being on the BBC, working on the Truth Project, just a lot of great things going on. My mom and dad um, were in a bad way, and Angie's mom was a widow, and I was just, I was very torn. And so I was praying about it, and we knew we needed to go look after parents. And we tried to move them out here, and that didn't work. So anyway, I um, went back east, and Angie flew. I'm driving a move, a U-Haul it, out 24 headed east. That is it Nebraska? It takes you to, and you head on home. And I pulled over. I was kind of crying. And I was like, Lord, I, I thought I had a future out here. Anyway, I go back and Dr. Dobson and I, actually we were at the Cove at the Billy Graham ministry. And uh, I'll be there July 12th through 14th. So Jim and Shirley Dobson, we sat down and he was drinking coffee. He said, Alex, why did you leave? And I said, well, he said, you know, I wanted you to be the president of Focus on the Family. That's what he said. With all, with all deference to Jim Daly, we love you, Jim Daly. And I looked at him, I said, really? He goes, yeah. And I said, excuse me while I go kill myself. <laughs> That's what I said. And he said, no, no. And we were he said, look, you were a son before you were in ministry. You went to look after your parents. God will honor that. And you're back in Colorado now working with us. Seems like it. Praise mm -hmm. God. We've got a platform. I believe this biblical worldview and Karis Bible College is going to reach a lot of people. Amen. Amen. God is all over this. And you know what? I'm, I got a dear friend back home, Gerald Sudrath, and he said, uh, Alex, you're going to get to heaven one day if you don't run right past it. <laughs> Here's what I think he meant. Uh, and I'm, I'm preaching it myself here. Folks, be patient. Keep Jesus first. 
Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things be added to you. And you know what? Andrew, I'm, I'm going to be true confessions. I, I've not always been as patient as I should be, but I promise you, if you put the Lord Jesus first, do what you know is right, every dream you've ever had will come true because Jesus, Jesus cares more about your future than you care about your future. Yep. We still got some open lines, 719-619-2341. And in just four minutes, we're going to be taking a break. Then we'll be back to take your call. Uh, your, one of your strengths is apologetics. And what does that mean? Some people don't understand. It sounds like you're apologizing mm -hmm. for being a Christian. What is apologetics? Well, it's defending the Christian faith. It's not, not, not at all apologizing. It's not like saying, oh, I'm sorry, please, please like me, even though I'm a Bible believer. No. First uh, Peter 3.15 is one of the most famous verses that contains this word twice. Apologia, apologetic, means to speak in defense. So, Andrew, like when we're saying um, the Bible is true, Jesus is real, uh, God exists, that's doing apologetics. Mm -hmm. And 1 Peter 3.15 says, be ready always to give an answer. So I really think we need apologetics nowadays. And I think we could say that the reason our world is in the mess that it's in is because Christianity has not taught apologetics. They've had people that have grown up in church and they were Christians because they were told to be. And they may have even had an experience with the Lord, but then they get into college, woke college, and oh. they go to criticize and they can't defend it. And many of them fall away. I think, isn't it like 80% oh, yeah. of Christian youth renounce their faith after one year of college? It's so sad. I mean, there are videos now of, of young people that call themselves ex-evangelicals. Wow. And that's so sad. Do you know what? Um, we did a conference and CBN came to cover it. And this is before Pat Robertson died. And we had half a dozen great defenders of the faith. And the guy, he said, uh, Alex, do you ever lay, lay awake at night in the wee hours of the morning and worry, you know, what if none of this is true? And I said, no, no. never, never. And we had some pretty well-known Christian speakers. They said, really, honestly, and I'm not trying to sound sanctimonious or spiritual, but I've never, by the grace of God, Andrew, I've never, ever, never doubted the Word of God. That's because we've encountered it. It's, it's living to us. Amen. If people just read it and all they have is information, but it never never touches them on a heart level, well, then you might could walk away from that. But once you have God revolutionize your life the way that we have, man, you can't doubt it. You, you, you might doubt yourself sometimes whether you yeah. are going to be doing things, but man, I've never doubted God. Never. And you know, everything I've researched and written on for 35 years, 20 books has validated it. But at 21, when I asked Jesus to come into my life and I began to read the Gospel of John, I think that was the first thing I read, I knew that I knew, I knew this is God's book. Yep. And I have never questioned Your heart bears witness. Amen. The Word is actually written to your heart, not to your head. And if you will read it with your heart, you can't doubt the connection. It's only people who read it intellectually looking for things to criticize and stuff that really struggle with it. Yeah. I, I think for some of the people, you know, God is guilty until proven innocent. Yeah. And 
you know, the Bible says he, he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Absolutely. Well, we're going to be taking a break here. We've got a couple of people on the line. We'll be to you right after this break. But again, if you would like to talk to Alex, and again, Alex has built his whole ministry on Christian apologetics, which means that he answers tough questions that people have about God from Scripture. And I think it would really be a great resource. And so I encourage you to call in. The number is 719-619-2341. We have some lines open and we'd just love to talk to you. So again, the number is 719-619-2341. So let's go to this break, and right after 90 seconds, we'll be back with Alex McFarland to take your calls. With practical government, you have experts in the fields that are sharing their perspective, wisdom, and experience. It's not available anywhere else in the world. We're going to teach a Christian heritage of our American government. They're going to learn about the Founding Fathers. We're teaching the Constitution, how government operates, practical skills, and field study. No matter where you're coming from, the world needs you. Whatever God's calling you to do, you're able to do it. To learn more, visit practicalgovernmentschool.com. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. Hi, my name is Carrie Pickett, and like many of you, I wear lots of hats. But most of all, I'm a child of God. Ever since I was young, my desire has been to share the unconditional love of God. There is nothing more rewarding to me than people changing their lives and then changing the world. That's why I'm inviting you to join me wherever you are, and let's discover together these foundational truths that will transform your life. So welcome back to Wednesday's Truth and Liberty Live call-in program, and I'm here with Alex McFarland, and he's done a lot of things in his brief lifestyle. His hair is still black, but he's older than he looks. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm 59. I don't know how you do that. <laughs> I'm 50, uh, in March, I'll be 60, wow. good Lord willing. What day? March 10. March the 23rd. You mentioned that that's when you had that conference in Greenville. Yep. That's the day that the Lord changed my life was March the 23rd, 68. Really? So what year was that that you held that conference? Uh, 2000. Wow. Yeah. And we've yeah. done at least one or two ever since. We've that's done 49. Awesome. So anyway, we've still got some open lines, 719-619-2341. Let's go to Rocco or Rocco. I'm not sure. Karis student from New Jersey. You're on with Alex and Andrew. Yes, sir. It's Rocco. <laughs> Rocco. Hi. Hi. So uh, I just wanted to ask, um, what do you what do you foresee or anticipate for 2024? Um, I know you mentioned the, the Great Awakening. And honestly, I just perceive like a lot's going to happen in this next year. Well, let me start and I'll let uh, Alex comment on it, but the Lord spoke to me in 2001 that we are already in the beginnings of the third great awakening. And then he spoke to me July the 4th of this year, 23, and said that within three years, 
And, uh, you know, we did a program with Alex just, uh, anyway, sometime in the last week. I do so many programs. It's hard. I think it was Tuesday a week ago. All right. But anyway, uh, that's significant to Alex. 25 or 26 years ago, he had a revelation about the 50th, an yeah. the 250th anniversary. And anyway, the Lord spoke to me that by then, which is 2026, we will e actually have the secular media recognizing that there is a shift taking place and that this wokeness is quitting. And then in September of 2023, the Lord spoke to me that some of the people who are so uh, promoting all of this ungodliness are going to be gone within two years. I don't know exactly what that means, but they will not be in their position of leadership. So because of the things that God has spoken to me, uh, I believe that we are going to be seeing good things happen. But when the Lord told me three years from now, we're going to see some things. I remember getting up and saying, I don't know what's between here and there. Mm. And I really do believe that there is a clash of these worldviews and I wouldn't be surprised if 24 is not a tough year. Yeah. But I know that we win. Amen. So that's my uh, draw on it. I know that ultimately things are moving in a positive direction, not because the 10 Spies Networks reports it, but because the Lord reveals to me. But in between here and there, I think we're going to see a real conflict and there's going to be some problems. Rocco, you ask a great question. I want to thank you for calling in. Uh, as we near the next presidential election, uh, I would really encourage Christians to pray. Maybe even if your doctor says it's okay, fast and pray. As we, because look, um, I know our hope is in Christ, but a lot hangs on who are in positions of leadership, uh, not the least of which, of course, is the Oval Office. And I mean, you look at Donald Trump, who appointed three justices on the Supreme Court. Uh, uh, Brett Kavanaugh, Neil Gorsuch, Amy Coney Barrett, they have been very uh, moral, constitutional. So who gets elected is important because of the significance of the election. Uh, I think the devil is going to keep on trying to stir the pot. So to your question, what's going to happen in 24? Uh, the arm wrestling match between good versus evil. And we can play a role. So uh, Rocco, are you talking about the presidential election or were you talking about other things? I was mainly, yeah, the, the presidential election because we know what happened four years ago. There's quite an interruption with the, uh, with yeah. the pandemic. And uh, hopefully there's not like a convenient disease, you know, this year, I, I especially want to go on my mission yeah. trip this year, so. Amen. Well, well, you know, it's my opinion that I think Trump won in 2020. Yeah. I really do. I, uh, I think that there was a lot of fraud. If you've seen the movie 2000 Mules, we had Dinesh D'Souza here and he spoke and uh, I, I think it was better than what happened, but it was hijacked. But uh, concerning the presidential election, I'm not a prognosticator. Unless God speaks something to me, I don't know. I can't understand why anybody who's a Christian would vote for a Democrat because they are basically anti-Christian on everything that they do. People that aren't Christians, I can't understand why they would vote for something that is opening up the borders and letting all kinds of ungodliness in 
why they would want something that has ruined our economy, that has shut down our oil production and made us dependent, and we're sending billions of dollars to these Islamic countries that are using them against us. I just can't understand why anybody would vote for that. So I, I, I can't it's either. It's for me. I really, and listen, I've had some fellow ministers, you know, kind of reprimand me, but I make no apology. If you're a born-again, Bible-believing Christian, how could you rationally vote for Democrat candidates? Because they are against everything that is godly and even much of what is constitutional. Their platform, actually, in 2020, they took God out. They did. And they put it back in because they got so much criticism, but that was their true heart. They are for abortion. They're for the killing of children. They are for open borders. They are against every moral thing. They are for putting women uh, at risk by having men come into their locker rooms and do yeah. things. They are against every single thing that the Word of God is for. And I know that there's some people who say, but Donald Trump, and they don't like his personality. He's, he's so rude. I don't like his personality. Yeah. But I tell you what, I think he is one of the most godly, as far as his decisions, his policy is great, his personality is abrasive, yeah. but I'm going to vote for yeah. the guy who will do something right over... <laughs> Somebody exactly. that just gets offended over their personality. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, would you like a polite devil or an abrasive righteous man? I think most people would like a polite devil. I mean, and so it, it is time for, every, first of all, every citizen to vote, be registered to vote, be prayerful, and as uh, they say, vote godly. Yeah. Our, our nation needs it. Now, it, I don't want to take the time, you're the leader here, but I, I do think that the 2020 election was stolen. I think it was fraudulent. I, I travel a lot. Uh, I'll just, just give you one thing. I was fall of 2020, I was speaking in upstate New York at Houghton College, Binghamton, New York. One day I had a rental car and I had two or three hours. I went out driving around and I on that particular trip, I was in Rochester, Buffalo, Binghamton. Andrew, all I saw everywhere I went were Trump signs. And I can verify that. My, that was my experience everywhere I went. I, I don't think I saw a Biden sign. And I was over New York State. Now, I know Manhattan is different. but I, And, of course, in other parts of the country, I mean, you couldn't find three people that would own up to supporting Biden. And yet... Trump was not the next president. Something well, doesn't add up. We could spend a lot of time talking about that. But anyway, let's move on. All so, right. Rocco, thank you for your call. Let's go to uh, Sacha from Massachusetts. Uh, you are on uh, Truth and Liberty Live call in with Alex and Andrew. Yes, hello. Um, Andrew, I have, a, I, have, I have a question, but I have an answer to something you just said. You said you don't understand how any true Christian can vote for a Democrat. Yep. And that's because, um, like me, I had no idea what the party stood for. I'm from a liberal state, and we're told that um, Republicans uh, are very racist, they're hateful. and But thanks to you, people like you and Alex, I will no longer vote for that party. And my fam I have my family with me. They they've left the party. I'm trying to get some of my friends away from it. But that's because they have no idea 
what it stands for, and that's why yeah. they vote for it. Yeah. That's why they vote for the party. They Sacha, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you ask your question here in a minute, but you just sparked something. Let me give this testimony that I had a black lady who was in our school, and in 2014. She came to me and was just crying and saying, you've changed my life. You've changed my opinion. I used to be ultra liberal. I was for all of, you know, for homosexuality, for abortion, for uh, transgenderism. She, and she says, you've just changed everything. And so I took her aside and I said, look, I'm not going to criticize you. I won't argue with you, but please explain to me how you could be a Christian and love God and yet be for people who are against everything that the Bible is for. And she gave me an answer that was really revealing. And she says, you can love God and vote for people like that, but you can't love the Word of God. And she said, I didn't love the Word of God. I had a concept of God just as saving me and going to heaven, but I did not know or love the Word of God. Mm. And so, Sacha, I think that in a sense, that's what you're saying, that you were uninformed and this is the way you brought up. But if, if a Christian knows what the Word of God says, I just don't, I, I mean, it's ungodly to me to pray on Sunday, uh, you know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and then go vote on Tuesday for everything that is against everything you prayed for. So pretty revealing. Amen. So anyway, that's my little thing I wanted to add. So you've got a question here, Sacha? Um, my 16-year-old son came home not too long ago. And I'm so sick and tired of this subject. It makes me want to throw up every time I mm. hear that word. And he came home one day. He said he had a question. He said he has a teacher. He, has a, he actually has multiple teachers who are homosexuals. And they have the flags in the room. And he finds it very disturbing. And the teacher told him that he's a Christian. And he said, Mom, how can he be a Christian? Can homosexuals go to heaven? I said, no, they cannot. I said, if he doesn't repent, he's not going to go to heaven. And I think a lot, like 65% of Americans are claiming to be Christians. It's not, it's a bogus lie. And um, I need you to explain to people the meaning of Christianity, what, it's, what it means to be a Christian. And people are always saying things like, I'm not religious. I'm um, spiritual. spiritual. They're not, I don't, what? Can you, I know the meaning of it, but can you explain it so people can't understand it? Like, the Bible tells us to examine ourselves, and I think people need to start examining themselves and see where they stand. God well, bless I think you. this is right up uh, Alex's line here. God, God bless you, Sacha, and, and God bless you for raising your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. True Christianity is this, that the Son of God died on the cross, paid for our sins, rose from the dead, and when we turn to Christ and we put our faith in Jesus, we're born again. Now, I, I'm going to give you a scripture because everything I say, I want it to square up with the Word of God. In uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 5, the Apostle Paul said this, I delivered unto you that which I first received, how that Christ died, was buried according to the Scriptures, the third day rose again from the dead. So Christianity is this, not, not that we're trying to be good or try to, you know, earn God's love, but the Son of God died on the cross and the wrath of God for sin that we deserved was put on Jesus. And we put our faith in Him and we're forgiven. Let me give another verse that I love, one of my favorite verses in John 6:40. Jesus said this, Whoever sees the Son 
and believes in him will have everlasting life and I will raise you up at the last day. Isn't that, uh, that something? Now, let, let me, if I can, and then I'll throw it back to Andrew. I want to go back. Well, I was going to read Luke 24, but 1 Corinthians 6, regarding the question of practicing unrepentant homosexuals going to heaven. Now, anybody can be born again, but you have, Luke 13, 3, the Lord said, if you don't repent, you'll perish. Now, homosexuals can get saved, but they have to turn from sin. Promiscuous heterosexuals can get saved. All right, here's 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, it would be sad if it ended there. It says, as such were some of you. What version? Uh, this is King James. Well, it doesn't have homosexuals in King James. Well, it says effeminate. Yeah. But the, the but Greek, yeah, okay, the Greek word is arsenokoita, which means homosexual. Yeah. Uh, now, were is a past tense verb. Hallelujah. Amen. It, you might have been one or more of those things, but when you come to Jesus, you're sanctified, justified by the Spirit of our God. And so, Andrew, I'm... Some people call me hard shell. I think I'm just trying to be scriptural. But Jesus wants to save you from sin, not in sin. Amen. And a lot of people, they want salvation and their sin, and it, you can't have both. Let me, let me just amplify on this a little bit that, you know, it says drunkards also. Does that mean that a person who ever gets drunk could never be born again unless they repent of that sin. In other words, if they continue to have a drinking problem, does that mean that they can't be saved? I don't believe it means that. I do believe that if they promote drunkenness and think that this is the right thing and reject the Bible standards, then that's an indication that they don't have true faith in the Lord. But a person who struggles with the sin, I believe that they could be born again and yet because, you know, think about these young kids today that are being given hormone blockers at four years old and taught that homosexuality and transgenderism is okay. Think what those people are going to be like in 20 years. And even if they turn to the Lord and get born again, they still are going to have an entire lifetime that they've been pushed in this direction. So I think a person could have homosexual tendencies. I've got some people personally that I know that were sexually abused. They've had homosexual tendencies and they've struggled with it and yet they're born again. Yeah. But they aren't promoting it. They yeah. aren't endorsing it. They know that it's sin. They're turning from it and stuff. And I believe a person like that can be born again. But any person who is saying, no, God made me a homosexual and they are embracing it and promoting it, I don't think that their actions line up with what a changed heart is. They've believed a lie. Yeah. yeah. And I actually have a friend, Janet Boynes, who she was born again. She says she knew that she was born again, and she lived as a homosexual for 14 years as a lesbian. And the reason for it was she had a, te she had, she had a terrible background and was, it was really, really ungodly, and she was just a basket case. And she had a teacher that loved her and 
and encouraged her and said, you can be anything. And so she latched onto this woman and this woman asked her to come and spend the weekend with her. And she didn't realize that she was a lesbian. And when she got there, mm. she got into this lesbian relationship. And, and even though she was a Christian, she knew in her heart was wrong, but this is the only person that ever showed her any love, any respect. And so for 14 years, she lived that way. And finally she came out of it. And now she has a ministry to help people I believe that she was born again, but that homosexuality was a sin, just the same as a person could be an adulterer and living in a relationship that is not a godly relationship, and yet they could still be born again. But if they embrace it and promote it, to me, that is a indication that their heart was never changed. Mm. But you know, you could, you could just make, keep making applications. The Bible also says that gluttony is listed right along with drunkenness and everything else. Does this mean that anybody who's overweight is not going to go to heaven? <laughs> God uh, can forgive anything, but amen. we are not promoting it. Right. You got something else? You know? Well, you know, in Hebrews 12, 1, uh, Paul or whoever wrote Hebrews might have been Paul. I believe it was Paul. Yeah. He says, lay aside the sin which so easily besets us. What one person struggles with as a temptation might be different from what somebody else struggles with. I really do think different people have besetting sins that they wrestle with. And you can be born again and saved and still tempted. Being tempted is not a sin. Giving into it is where disobedience and sin comes in. Would you agree? Yep. We just had a woman on my program a week or so ago, Erin Lee, and her daughter was taught in three hours time in an art club thing to become a transgender. And they convinced her and she came home. Good. And anyway, this Erin Lee said it was a shock to her. And she was just an, uh, you know, a kind of a moral person, but she was trained as a teacher and taught that this stuff was right. And she just honestly didn't question it because it was what was taught until her daughter came home and she knew that her daughter was not a transgender. And so she wound up uh, taking a stand and now they have a movie entitled Art Club and it's awesome. Mm. I'm promoting it, putting it on my website. But anyway, my point is, is see, it is so prevalent today and young people are being told this from the time that they're in kindergarten, this stuff. I could understand a person being confused uh, in their heart, they know it's not right, but they could be confused because everybody else is doing it and they're doing it for acceptance. And I believe it's possible that a person could still be a Christian and still be deceived by these things, but uh, it's certainly wrong. And if they promote it and just out and out reject everything the scripture says, it would make me think they weren't truly born again. Hmm. Anyway, we could discuss this a long time. Thanks, Sasha, for, for the call. Let's go to Judy from Colorado. You're on Truth and Liberty with Alex and Andrew. Well, hi, Andrew and Alex. Um, my question is, lately I've heard several preachers and teachers say that God is going to judge America because of the abortion issue and the fact that God has been taken out of the government and the schools. And this one uh, preacher, I mentioned Leviticus 26.16, that talks about what God is going to do if you... That part of the curse if you don't abide by his uh, rules and standards. And I heard you preach the opposite, Andrew, that I'm yeah. not going to judge America. So it's confusing. And I would just like it clarified, Andrew. 
All right, so here's the way I would answer that, Judy. Thank you for your call. I, I know you, and good to see you Sunday at the rally. But let me say that God, as you were quoting that verse, there is a curse from God on ungodliness, but Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, that applies specifically to born-again people, but nations that reject the Lord. I do believe that God is displeased with it. I will say this, we are worthy of judgment, but I believe that Jesus has redeemed us from the judgment. Now, does that mean that America, therefore, is going to stand because God's not going to judge us? He's imputed our judgment to Jesus. No, because even though God's not going to judge us, every time you sin, Romans 6, 16 says you are opening yourself up to Satan and to whom you yield yourself, you become his servant. So if we are throwing God out of our schools, throwing him out of our government, we're putting in homosexuals, promoting transgenderism, we're against everything godly. I don't believe God's going to judge America because he did that for Jesus, but we have just opened ourselves up to the devil. And I guarantee you, America is teetering on the brink of being destroyed, not because God's going to destroy us, but because we have given ourselves over to Satan and he's going to destroy this nation. I often use this example. If you had a big um, umbrella and you were out in the rain, and, uh, you know, if you were standing with me under the umbrella, you can stay dry. But if you walk out from under the umbrella, it's not me that made you wet. <laughs> it's you that walked out from under my protection. And that's the reason that you got wet. God has started this nation. This is a godly nation. It was established upon godly principles. It's not functioning that way right now. But we were established, and I don't believe that God is going to destroy this nation, but I do believe that if we continue down the road we're going and license all of these things that God hates, Satan is going to destroy this nation. Mm. That's the way I'd look at it. Amen. How I about agree. you? Well, I completely agree. Very often, judgment is not so much that God poured out His wrath, but He lets people go the way they That's seem right. determined to go. You say, leave me alone, God. He's liable to leave you alone. And if God isn't protecting you, you are going to be destroyed. Exactly. Proverbs 14:34, very well-known verse. Uh, many, many people know this verse. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And the word reproach means bring down, uh, harm, destroy. And, you know, the beautiful thing, um, even unsaved people are blessed when they live according to godly principles. You know, isn't that? Mm -hmm. Righteousness benefits everybody. Sin, and that's the absence of God, the absence of truth, disobedience to known truth, will bring anybody down. In a way, we're almost judging ourselves. We're, we're bringing calamity on ourselves. Yeah. That's what I was quoting that verse. When you yield to the devil, you open yourself up to what he wants to do. I used to say this back before I really understood that God's, all of God's wrath was placed upon Jesus for our sins. I used to say that if God doesn't judge America, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah <laughs> because we are as corrupt as they are. But now I say if God does judge America, he's going to have to apologize to Jesus because Jesus bore God's judgment. Mm. Now, some people would take that and say, well, so then America's safe regardless of what we do. 
Well, God's not going to judge us, but it's not just God that we have to deal with. We've also got an enemy out there seeking whom he may devour. And if you yield yourself to Satan, which this nation right at this moment, the people that are in the White House and the leaders in Congress are pushing us towards the devil. And if they continue to do that, well, then I guarantee you Satan has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he would love to destroy America. America mm. is such a godly influence for good. We are the ones that are keeping Iran and Lebanon and Hezbollah and all of that from just destroying the nation of Israel. And if they destroy Israel, I guarantee you they're coming after the Christians yeah. next. Right now, America is standing. It's a standard against evil. It's not a perfect standard, and we actually are promoting evil in many places by, you know, tying our aid to people, whether they endorse all of the homosexual activity and, and all of this kind of stuff. So it's not, we aren't doing it perfectly, but nonetheless, uh, even at our worst, we are still a stabilizing influence in this nation. And Amen. if America was to fall, man, Russia, China, uh, so many, un Iran, I guarantee you this world would be in a bad, bad place. I've said this a lot, and this could be an entire program, but I've often said, Andrew, the greatest favor a president could ever do the American people is be a friend to Israel. Absolutely. Uh, if you I mean, curse Israel, you're going to be cursed. That's true. And I mean, that's a whole other subject, but I, I've, I've heard people say that they're a single issue voter. Uh, where does the candidate stand on life? And in many ways, I'm like that. What about religious freedom? But here's another thing that would make you a single issue voter. Where are they on standing with Israel and condemning terrorism? That should help you decide. That's a big topic. And you know, this is one of the reasons I think that Christians aren't making a bigger influence because the ungodly, they have all kinds of different agendas, but they will all unite against Christianity and against morality. And they will promote somebody who they hate, but that because they both hate Christianity, they will promote that person. Christians will make a one issue thing and say, if you don't support Israel, I'm not gonna vote for it. Well, what if you have two candidates? that don't support Israel. Well, they won't vote for them. But one of them is more moral. Maybe they support life. Maybe they support marriage between a True. man and a woman. Christians won't vote for that person over that one issue, whereas the ungodly will you know, rally around a person who they disagree with just because they're anti-Christian. So it's a complicated issue, but if I had two candidates and neither one of them were pro-life, I would vote for the one that was closer to the biblical on other issues. Uh, but there's some people that I'll never vote for anybody who's not pro-life. Yeah. And again, that's one of the reasons that Christians' influence is being diminished because they won't, they won't come together on anything unless it's exactly what they want. Let's take a break here. Thank you, Judy, for your call. Let's take a break. We're going to be gone for 90 seconds, and then we'll be right back. And we've got a number of people still on the line. The number is 719-619-2341. We'll be right back after this break. Andrew has many conferences and seminars around the globe each year. For the latest information on Andrew's complete speaking schedule, visit our website at awmi.net slash events. created with a purpose, written in the heart of God. 
long before you were born. He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience his unconditional love, to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Praise the Lord. You're back on Truth and Liberty Live with Alex and Andrew. We still got a couple of open lines if you'd like to call at 719-619-2341. Let's go to Robert. He's calling in from Florida. And Robert, you're on Truth and Liberty Live. Call in with Andrew and Alex. Hi, Andrew. How are you? Um, I'm blessed. You, you're strong and healthy. And, and I, I'm standing on the, what is that, Deuteronomy 34-7. My eyesight is not dim and my natural force is not abated. That Amen. Like you. That's what I'm believing for. I have I struggle with my eyes to some degree, but Alex can tell you that small print. Oh my and word. I can read it with no problems. Praise God. So, that is very small print. So it's not as good as it used to be, but it's not as bad as it used to be either. It's on the mend. Amen. So Robert, you got a question or a comment? Well, after I read this Ezekiel 39, 6 scripture, my question is going to be, do you know how this judgment will be delivered to the United States? May I, may I read the scripture? Yes, sir. Okay. This is according to Ezekiel 39, 6, which says, And I will send a fire on Magog and among them that dwell carelessly in the isles, and they shall know that I am the Lord. And again, my question is, do you know how this delivery of judgment is going to come to the United States, Andrew? Well, first of all, Magog here, I don't think is the United States. Apparently, Robert, you do. Uh, I've heard different opinions on this, and so I honestly can't tell you exactly who this is. But let me say this. I was just telling Judy, a previous caller, that I believe all of our judgment was placed upon Jesus and that God isn't going to judge America. Now, that doesn't mean we're safe because we're in the process of letting Satan destroy us and stuff like that. But for those outside of the covenant, God would be just to bring judgment at any time. For instance, in the 12th chapter of the book of Acts, he struck Herod with worms. That was God that did that. It said the angel of the Lord did it. In the 13th chapter of the book of Acts, Paul pronounced a judgment over Elimaeus the sorcerer and said, you're going to have a cloud and darkness descend over you. And he couldn't see and had to have somebody lead him by the hand. God is not unjust to judge those who are outside of the covenant at any time. But under this new covenant, we live basically under a day of grace. But right here, Ezekiel chapter 39 is talking about the end times and those who come against Israel and uh, I'm not sure exactly who may God is. I could tell you things that I've read and what other people say, but it's going to be the ungodly who come against Israel. And at the end times when they come against Israel, it says that the blood is going to be up to the horse's bridles, which means it's going to be three to four feet high for the space of 20 something miles. 
AND THAT'S GOING TO BE GOD'S JUDGMENT, BUT THAT'S NOT UNJUST BECAUSE THESE ARE PEOPLE THAT HAVE REJECTED HIM AND THAT ARE WILLFULLY COMING AGAINST HIS PEOPLE, AND GOD IS JUST TO DO THAT AT ANY TIME. SO uh, BACK TO YOUR QUESTION, HOW'S IT GOING TO HAPPEN? I DON'T KNOW EXACTLY. IN THE BOOK OF REVELATION, IT SAYS THAT A SHARP SWORD WOULD COME OUT OF HIS MOUTH. AND I DON'T THINK THAT THIS IS GOING TO BE A PHYSICAL SWORD THAT COMES OUT OF THE MOUTH OF JESUS AS HE RETURNS. I THINK THAT THE WORD OF GOD IS QUICK AND POWERFUL AND SHARPER THAN ANY TWO-EDGED SWORD. EPHESIANS 6 SAYS, TAKE THE SWORD OF THE SPIRIT, WHICH IS THE WORD OF GOD. I THINK WHAT HE'S GOING TO DO IS JUST SPEAK THIS PROPHECY RIGHT HERE AND SPEAK THE THINGS THAT ARE RECORDED IN THE BOOK OF REVELATION. AND WHEN HE SPEAKS IT, THESE PEOPLE ARE GOING TO BE WIPED OUT. SO, um, AGAIN, A LOT OF THIS IS SPECULATION. END TIMES IS NOT MY FORTE, BUT THAT'S WHAT I THINK. WHAT, what SAY YOU, ALEX? The, the, ROBERT, GREAT QUESTION. AND MY GOODNESS, SINCE OCTOBER 7TH AND THE HAMAS ATTACK ON ISRAEL, EVERYBODY'S TALKING ABOUT BIBLE PROPHECY. AND I, I WAS WATCHING A SECULAR NEWS SHOW THAT HAD NOTHING TO DO WITH CHRISTIANITY. AND uh, ON THE SCREEN IT SAID, EZEKIEL 38 AND 39, THE BIBLE PROPHESIED THAT IN THE LAST DAYS NATIONS WOULD TURN ON ISRAEL, AND THIS MIGHT BE THAT. AND I MEAN, IT WAS, it was SOME NETWORK NEWS SHOW. NOW, um, ONE BOOK, IT'S A STARTING POINT, um, THERE WAS A BOOK CALLED A TO Z OF BIBLE PROPHECY, RANDALL PRICE AND TIMOTHY ICE. Uh, INTERESTING NAMES THAT RHYME, RANDALL PRICE AND TIMOTHY ICE. I DON'T KNOW THESE GENTLEMEN, BUT it, IN MY OPINION, WAS A PRETTY GOOD, VERY BALANCED VIEW OF TRYING TO FIGURE OUT WHO GOG AND MAGOG AND MESHECH AND TUBAL WERE. Um, I DON'T KNOW THAT WE CAN KNOW FOR SURE, BUT YOU KNOW WHAT'S AMAZING IN THE EZEKIEL 39 SEVEN AFTER THAT, IT SAYS, I WILL MAKE MY HOLY NAME KNOWN IN THE MIDST OF MY PEOPLE, ISRAEL, AND I WILL NOT LET THEM POLLUTE MY HOLY NAME ANYMORE, AND THE HEATHEN WILL KNOW THAT I AM THE LORD, THE HOLY ONE OF ISRAEL. AND, YOU KNOW, THERE'S GOING TO COME A DAY, AND I DON'T KNOW EXACTLY HOW THIS PARSES OUT, BUT THERE'S GOING TO COME A DAY WHEN ISRAEL DOES OCCUPY THEIR LAND IN A STATE OF BELIEF. ABSOLUTELY. I, I BELIEVE PAUL SAID IN ROMANS THAT Israel's unbelief has not nullified the promises yeah, of God. I believe that. And you know, again, going back to the judgment of God, I believe that as a whole, God's, well, let me say it this way, absent, absolute, God is not judging his people because our sins were judged in Jesus. Amen. But for those outside of the covenant, he's gracious towards them in a way that you don't see in the old covenant. You see grace in the new covenant. But there is judgment. Ananias and Sapphira, Herod, yeah. Elimaeus the sorcerer, and like in the 67 uh, war that Israel fought against all of the Arabs, I've read reports of generals saying that they would see entire squadrons of planes coming against Israel and they would fly into a cloud and never fly out of it. They just it, it was a miracle. And I believe that that was the judgment of God, but it wasn't upon believers. GOD IS NOT GOING TO JUDGE US BECAUSE OUR SIN HAS BEEN JUDGED, BUT NATIONS CAN BE JUDGED, AND WHEN THESE NATIONS ALIGN THEMSELVES AGAINST ISRAEL AND COME AGAINST THEM, I GUARANTEE YOU GOD IS GOING TO WIPE THEM OUT BY THE MILLIONS. I WOULD, YOU oh, COULDN'T my word. GET ME TO FIGHT AGAINST ISRAEL FOR ANYTHING. LISTEN, IF THERE'S ONE THING THAT THE RECORD OF HISTORY HAS PROVEN WHEN NATIONS, AND FOR THE LAST FEW CENTURIES IT'S BEEN ISLAMIC NATIONS, WHEN YOU GO TO WAR AGAINST ISRAEL, 
it does not turn out well no. for the invading nations, does That's it? right. You know, we just had a pro-Israel rally on Sunday, and there was a Messianic Jew that got up and spoke. And he was, I don't know if he was raised, but he lived in Israel for a number of years. And he said that when they had their Sabbath meal, that one of the common say, sayings was, they came against Israel and uh, they tried to destroy Israel. We're still here and they aren't. Let's eat. And that's what they would say. And it's, history bears this out. Israel has been fought against probably as much or more than anybody else, and yet they still exist, and they are going to exist, and they're going to outlive all of the nations that come against them. Mark so, Twain, who was not religious, but Mark Twain said, all things in, the, in this world are mortal except the Jews. And uh, Mark Twain, and this was 75 years before 1948, uh, the rebirth of the nation of Israel, but Mark Twain said, if there's one thing that made him believe in the supernatural realm, it was the Jewish people. Yep. Well, thanks for your call, Robert. Let's go to Kitten. You're here in Woodland Park. I know you. You are a graduate of Karis Bible College, so you're on Truth and Liberty with Alex and Andrew. Are you there, Kitten? She just disappeared off of our screen. Uh-oh. So anyway, well, call maybe back, we, kitten. Yeah, maybe we can get you back, kitten. Let's go to Kathy now in Missouri. We still have some lines open, 719-619-2341. So Kathy from Missouri, you're on Truth and Liberty with Alex and Andrew. Hi, gentlemen. How are you tonight? We are blessed. Yes, we are. Um, I was calling to ask, some people are teaching Christian people are teaching that America is Babylon. I don't see that, and I, and I don't believe that either. What is your opinion? Well, I... Ephesians 18. No, I don't believe that either. Let me say this, that there are some things that were true in Babylon that are true in America, and there's a lot of ungodly people who are shaking their fist. I could say that the spirit of Antichrist is alive and well and working in America, and if you want to focus on those negative things and somehow or another take those, all of the evil things that are being done in our nation and compare that to Babylon and how evil it was, well, then you could make a comparison. But America was started as a godly nation. And did you know, even at this time, I just read today that the Democrats are now trying to literally do away with the Supreme Court because it is an obstacle that stands in their way of pushing their agenda. And they would love to do away with the Supreme Court and just get somebody like Biden in there who could just dictate and rule as a dictator. And, uh, but my point in bringing that up is that even at our, uh, you know, degenerate state that we see our nation in at this moment, we still have those vestiges of the godly things that our forefathers put in place. And they're an impediment to the evil that's wanting to happen in this nation. And because of it, the extreme left is trying to do away with some of our constitutional things. So America was founded with a godly thing. They separated the powers for a reason. And America, at its worst right now, is the worst I think we've been in history. Yeah. I still think we are the best place on the planet. We are the best hope of freedom in this nation. And I do not think that we are Babylon. 
Uh, I would, it, again, this is not my forte's Bible prophecy, but I think that Babylon over in the book of Revelation is actually a religious system. Mm -hmm. And it's describing a religious system. And people have tried to peg that to the Catholic Church. I believe that a lot of the stuff in the Catholic Church could be incorporated into it, but it's not limited to the Catholic Church. It could be the Baptist, the Methodist, the Pentecostals, any religious system that comes against God. And, and right now they've got a big deal going in the Baptist Church and there's a whole branch of the Baptists that are trying to promote homosexuality and transgenderism. Yeah. I believe that's part of the Babylon system. There are Pentecostals that support that kind of stuff. I believe that's part of that Babylon system. Yeah, I, I would agree. And Kathy, you, you make a great uh, question here. I, for one thing, I, I do think that we need to read the book of Revelation and, you know, uh, John says in Revelation, blessed is he, well, Jesus said it to John, blessed is he who reads this prophecy. Now, in Revelation 17, there is Mystery Babylon. Now, Revelation 17, 1 and 2, um, there is this city that sits on many waters. It's interesting, and I'm, I am not one that bashes the Catholic Church. I'm not, because 1 John 5, 1 says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And I've known born-again Catholics. But in history, Vatican City has been called the city that sits on many waters. Now, does that mean that the religious system that merges with the secular world government uh, comes out of Vatican City. I, I don't know, but there is this religious system that is ungodly, and Revelation 17:2 says, "With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication," and it goes on and it talks about mystery Babylon, and then of course in Revelation 18. And I agree with Andrew, I don't think it's America, but it talks about uh, Babylon, the great city is fallen. Andrew, I could be wrong, but it seems like that in the future there's going to be a, a, a mixing of this worldwide global pagan religious system with a worldwide secular political economic system. You're not going to be able to buy or sell unless you mm -hmm. uh, take this mark. I, I am concerned, like in China they've got this DEI, Diversity Equity Inclusion Score. Now, you, you know there's a credit score. You, you want to get a, a mortgage for a house, they're going to look at how you've managed your money. But what if in the future, just to function, get employment, get food, they're going to look at, oh, I see, Mr. McFarland, back in 2023, you tweeted against homosexuality. Uh, now, do you want to renounce that? Uh, before we let you have these groceries, maybe you want to rethink your homophobia. I mean, sure. it, it could be that way. Well, this, it's already happening. Yeah. There's people that are being denied employment. There's people that are being kicked out of school. There's professors that have been fired because they wouldn't promote the homosexual agenda. Yeah. It's happening now. I, I think this global Babylon could be just the economic, political, religious system aligned against the true God. I believe that's what it is. But let me just say this, that... I think there's a danger in trying to interpret the book of Revelation in the light of what we see in our world today. They did this in World War II. 
and they said that Hitler was the Antichrist. Yeah. Now, he was the spirit of the Antichrist, there's no doubt about it, and Hitler fit nearly everything about killing the The punch Jews. list. I mean, he, was, he would have made a great Antichrist. Yeah. The only thing wrong was he wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> But, and so see, people are trying to look at where they are and say, all right, so all of these things mean this. It could mean that, but is this speaking about another time? And let me also say this, this is gonna really possibly uh, open up a can of worms, might get a lot of criticism, but I don't think that there is a date circled on a calendar where the Antichrist is going to come and Babylon is going to come and Revelation is going to start working. I don't think that there is a predetermined time that all of this is going to happen. I think Satan, the spirit of Antichrist, has been at work uh, since the days that the Bible was written. John, four times in his uh, writings, said that the spirit of Antichrist does already work. So I think that that spirit of Antichrist has been working for 2,000 years trying to bring it about but I don't think that there is a certain time it's, it's determined that it's going to happen. What happens is the body of Christ rises up. And in World War II, the body of Christ began to pray. The United States, it was founded on godly principles. They began to unify. They prayed. And, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of, uh, I've read a lot of documentaries. And Hitler, in the beginning of his reign, it was just amazing how that he prospered and he did things faster and, uh, and accomplished things more than anybody else. And he used soothsaying, he used astrologers to help him and stuff. And I think that as the body of Christ woke up and they began to stand against this, not only spiritually, but physically fighting against it, I think that the body of Christ rose up and squelched that spirit of Antichrist. Hitler could have been the Antichrist of of uh, revelation except the body of Christ rose up. And I believe what we're seeing right now is this spirit of Antichrist once again trying to do all of these things. God has predicted that sometime it is going to prevail to the degree that God himself is going to have to return and destroy him. But it doesn't, it's not determined that it's right now. I'm standing up. I'm fighting against this, Alex is, and I believe that if the body of Christ can rise up, we don't have to just sit here and watch America go into this total you know, decadence that we see it headed. I think if the body of Christ will rise up, we can delay it and we can see a revival and we can see America turn back to the Lord and we can kick this Antichrist and the end of the world further down the road. Amen, I, I completely agree. You know, in the... Um Late 80s, I was a new believer, and I knew this pastor. He's long since in heaven. He was in his late 90s. But he told me, he said, Alex, back in World War II, we knew Hitler was the Antichrist. Yeah, he fit the bill. I, I mean, it just had to be. But it turns out he wasn't, you know. And so, uh, you know, it's been said, uh, we, we, the church, we're not on the planning committee. We're on the welcoming committee. <laughs> you know, God knows the times and the seasons. We're just to stay ready and stay faithful, aren't we? You know, I remember that they were going to complete the Dallas-Fort Worth Airport in 1972. I used to ride my horse out there where that airport is. And I used to laugh and say, we won't be here in 1972. I knew we'd gone, be gone by 1970. And I looked at things, and did you know the forming of the economic, uh, the, uh, what do you call it, European World Union? Yeah, World, the, the EU. European Union. Yeah. Uh, it fit the bill of the ten horns of this thing. And Hilton Sutton was the premier, um, 
you know, prophecy person at that time, and he just guaranteed us that the forming of the uh, European Union was these ten horns, and when those ten nations came together, we just knew it was going to happen. And, and it fit, and it looked good, but it turned out it wasn't right. Now they have like 30 or 40 yeah. countries in that, and so it doesn't fit the bill anymore. But I used to prophesy back then that we wouldn't be here in 1970. Some of you watching ought to be really glad <laughs> <laughs> that we didn't have the end of the world in 1970, or you might not be with us today. But anyway, what I'm saying is, yes, things are going to happen exactly the way that the Scripture says that they were, but there is danger in us looking at our current situation and making those things fit into these prophecies, even though they might fit very well, like Hitler did, and like the ten, first ten nations of the European Union and things. But you need to be careful and not try and figure things out. Like you said, just be welcoming whenever God comes. I'm going to be on the first uh, train out. Amen. Amen. Because you know what? Um, it's hard to predict the future because it hasn't happened yet. Well, if God gives you a word, like he's given me some words, I, I think some things are going to happen, but he hadn't given me a word about who's going to win the 24 election. He hadn't given me a word about is America going to be destroyed uh, coming against Israel. I don't think so. I don't think that fits at all, but I'm not going to be prophesying until God tells me something. I will say we're in unique times in that um, the internet and the internet can be a good tool, but we are with all these satellites and every one of us, you make a call on a cell phone and it leaves digital footprints. They talk about it. I will say the infrastructure is just about in place that a worldwide global police state yep. could certainly happen. During COVID, they actually had a thing in the Scandinavian countries where they would imprint, put something in your palm under the skin so that you could scan that and didn't have to change money, didn't have to touch anything because they was afraid of this COVID. And no that's thanks. exactly what Revelation is talking about. This farm boy still knows how to grow a garden. <laughs> You know, I really mean that. We're getting short of time. Thank, thank you for your call, Kathy. But let me ask a question that came in. I guess this came in on text or uh, through our website or something. But it says, are we uh, moving into World War III? And let me say, I've heard people make that connection. And I will say that World War I and World War II started with less provocation than what we see today. So I think it's a possibility but let me say this, that there's some people, well, we've got to do whatever we can at all cost to avoid World War III. I think that's a wrong attitude. We've got to do what's right and leave the results to God. Nobody wanted World War II. But the only reason that Hitler gained the influence that he gained is because people were so opposed to having a World War II after World War I was the most devastating war we had ever had. They allowed Hitler to do things and get by with things. They allowed him to invade Poland and, mm -hmm. and Austria and all of these things, and he gained their resources, and that's where he gained his influence because they were so opposed to war. Everybody hates war. I've been in war. I've seen bodies stacked up 10 and 15 feet high when I was in Vietnam. I saw some terrible things. I don't want war, but there's some things worse than war. 
And that is not doing the right thing because you're so fearful. And I tell you, if we were strong, strength hinders war when you are really strong. And there are some people that are so fearful about what's happening with Israel in Hamas leading to another war that they would appease. They would say, let's just stop where we are and allow Hamas and Iran to continue to do the things they're doing. I think that's the wrong deal. We need to do what's right. Uh, it was John Quincy Adams that says, duty is ours, results are God's. And nobody wants a war. Did you know the, the Civil War in the United States, there were more American lives lost in the Civil War than have ever been lost in any war since. The Second World War didn't kill as many Americans as, as the Civil War did. And it was terrible. But look at the results. We fought a war and we ended slavery. It didn't end all of the prejudice and stuff, but it set us on a course. And I, looking back, I think it was worth it. I think that fighting World War II was worth it to stand up and to do these things. And so I don't want war. I would do what I could to avoid it, but I am not going to compromise the truth and compromise what's right to avoid a war, regardless of what the results are. And there's some people that just are so afraid mm. of war that they would do anything. They would sell their soul to the devil to avoid a war. That's the wrong response. You, you know, right. one of the most brilliant people of the last hundred years was C.S. Lewis, and he lived uh, 1898 to 1963. And during World War II, there was Neville Chamberlain, who yep. was uh, advocate, yeah, and there was Churchill. Yep. Lewis wrote an essay that is worth reading called Why I Am Not a Pacifist. And Lewis, pacifism means you just, you know, peace at any cost. But let me say, Look, it's a fallen world, and there are Hitlers, there are terrorists, and there's a time when you must have the courage to say no. And um, C.S. Lewis writes about how God gives nations and individuals the right to self-defense. And there are times when war is justified. By the way, thank you for serving our country and going to Vietnam. But. Uh, did you happen to see the movie a couple years ago? Uh, there was a man named Gary Oldman portrayed Churchill. It was called Darkest Hour. Hmm. Oh, my goodness, what a movie. And the man portraying Neville Chamberlain, who was uh, prime minister, he went and met with Hitler, and he came back, and he says, England can s sleep well tonight. This Hitler, I trust him. I know he's forthright. Well, Hitler was in Berlin and said of Neville Chamberlain, said, you tell that old man if he ever comes back here, I'll jump up and down on his stomach for the photographers. And Winston Churchill went to Parliament and said, we must fight Hitler or we will be his prisoners. And uh, I've got a book, Andrew, on Churchill. It said, The Man Who Saved Civilization. Yep. And he was criticized, but he did. Hey. We don't realize how indebted we are to Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill said World War II was the most preventable war in history because Hitler did not have the resources, the power, but Neville Chamberlain uh, allowed him to take over these things, and he was a pacifist. And Hitler, uh, the reason they wouldn't empower Churchill, because in World War I, Churchill uh, led a charge, and I forget the details of it, but he lost 20 or 30,000 men. He was slaughtered. 
And people remembered that and didn't want him to be in control. But he was saying from the get-go that we've got to stop Hitler. And so they wouldn't empower him. They let Neville Chamberlain continue to be a pacifist. And when Hitler finally took over France and started the bombing raids against uh, the UK, all of a sudden... Uh, we better get in yeah, gear. <laughs> yeah, they all of a sudden put Churchill in charge. But Churchill said it was the most preventable war if they would have stood up. So again, nobody wants war. I'm praying against war. I've been in war. War is terrible. But there was a general that said sometimes war is preferable to the alternatives. Mm. And I guarantee you, fighting World War II was better than us speaking German or Japanese. Amen. And I don't want a World War III, but I guarantee you, it's superior to letting the Arabs destroy uh, uh, Israel. You know, Mohammed Faridi was on my part uh, program, and he was a practicing jihadist killing Jews. And he got converted, and now he's the most gentle person you'll ever meet. He's just a godly man. And he said that when he was a jihadist, their typical stay, saying was, Friday, then Saturday, and then comes Sunday. And what he meant is the is, uh, Muslims meet on Friday, then they were going to eradicate the Jews that meet on Saturday, and then they're coming for the Christians. And if Sunday. Israel falls... I guarantee you they're coming for the Christians. They yeah. are against anybody who is not a jihadist. And we've got to stand up and we've got to do what's right. So again, nobody wants war, but sometimes it's better than the alternative. And we cannot pacify the devil. You have to defeat him. Amen. Hamas doesn't need to be just limited. They need to be eradicated. And then I'd go after Hezbollah and then I'd go after Iran. Amen. And people think I'm a warmonger. No, I'm for peace. But you know, it says blessed are the peacemakers. It didn't say the peacekeepers. Sometimes the best way to make peace is to defeat your enemy and take away their right. Uh, there was a book, Samuel Huntington. He was a Harvard professor, 53 years. He was in the Carter administration. He wrote a book after 9-11 called The Clash of Civilizations. And not a Christian book, but he said uh, liberal Westerners are naive to think that Islam wants peace and coexistence. That is not what history says. No. We're out of time, man. It seemed like it's, it's going getting pretty good. quickly today. Yeah, but anyway... Uh, well, remember, we do this every weekday from 3.30 until 5. Alex is the typical host on Tuesday. I'm the typical host on Wednesday. We sometimes vary that a little bit, but it's a call-in program from 3.30 till 5 every weekday, and we'd encourage you to participate. And also, you can go to our website and watch archive copies of this. So thank you for being a part of this. Remember, we'll be doing this again tomorrow, and we'd love to have you join in with us. Let people know about it. Go to our website, truthandliberty.net, and you can get a lot of resources there. Thank you for joining us. God bless you. See you tomorrow. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.